Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hi, everyone. I'm Cheryl Butler, and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome. Today's episode is number 594, Little Fox and the Wild Imagination. Dad Duo Encourages Kids to Embrace Adventure. I am so excited to have two special guests join me today. Debut author Yorma Taconi a member of the hit comedy trio, The Lonely Island, who has teamed up with New York Times best-selling and Caldecott medal-winning illustrator Dan Santat to create a heartfelt children's book, Little Fox and the Wild Imagination. Today, they join me for an honest and hilarious discussion of how their experiences as dads made the book possible. Yorma and Dan, welcome to the Mighty Mommy Podcast. Hi, very excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Hi. Listen, I'm the mom of eight kids. Uh, My oldest child has just turned 27. My youngest is 14. I have been reading stories to these kids forever. I'm an avid reader. I'm a writer myself. And now I am the super proud grandmother of an 18-month-old grandson. So nothing gets me all revved up like a great children's book. That said, the title of this new picture book of yours, Little Fox and the Wild Imagination, it sounds like it's going to be a fantastic adventure for the main character, Little Fox. Yorma, let's start with you. What inspired the idea for this story? My son inspired, I have a five-year-old son, and he's a very imaginative, that age is incredible, honestly, for just imaginations running wild, but he's all over the place. He has a ton of energy. And I'm the kind of dad who really tries to get into his imagination and play with him and and yes and in the the parlance of of improv comedy with him. Um, And that occasionally will get me into trouble where like as soon as the imagination starts rolling, then occasionally I can't stop it. And, um, and it's, it's the push pull of like wanting so badly to like have him run free and run wild. But then at the same time, trying to cook dinner or brush his hair, his hair is incredibly long, <laughs> um, or, you know, or do one of the myriad of, of, of things that a parent has to do when they're, when they're trying to calm the body down for bedtime or whatever it is that you're doing. It's that push pull. And there's, there's a quote in the book from my son and it, and it all sort of stems from this 
one quote that he used to say to me all the time, which was, I will put you in a mail truck and throw you in the ocean and a shark will eat you all gone, which was truly his way of telling me that he loved me. Um, <laughs> but it was just like that kind of wonderful, like, what? What are you talking about? Like, while I'm trying to, like, put a shirt on your head. <laughs> all, all parents should be able to relate to that, I think, of that, that sort of, like, wonderful feeling of, like, once imagination clicks over until, like, okay, but we have to do this right now. I love that your brain is on fire. But <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Colorful, lively illustrations are such an important part of a young child's book. Dan, as the illustrator of this delightful book, how did you and Yorma come to collaborate on this project? It started with a simple email. You know, one morning I woke up and I got an email from, and I, and I knew of Yorma's work from the Lonely Island. So his name in my inbox was the last thing on earth that I was expecting to see this like one morning. And he started off the email by introducing himself as if like I had absolutely no clue who he was. But he then fleshed it out by clarifying that I had worked with his mother before. She worked at a children's publication up in Berkeley. And I had worked with her on a project and that she had referred him to me. Oh, how cool. Yeah, and that's how I got contacted. You know, we exchanged a phone call. He sent me a draft. We went back and forth with it for, gosh, what I would say about maybe five or six weeks of just going back and forth. You know, he told me his idea and I could just tell that his, his mind was wrapped around it for a while and that he had a clear idea of what he wanted. And then I think maybe, gosh, maybe six, seven weeks into it, we had something pretty solid that he could show to somebody. And so I introduced him to my agent and then we created a little piece of sample art, you know, something just to get it to whet the appetite of publishers and ended up on the desk of my editor, Connie Shu over at uh, Roaring Brook, over at Macmillan. I feel like Dan's being somewhat modest with this because <laughs> all of this, like none of this would have happened without Dan. I, my mom's been in children's books for the longest time. She worked for Peaceful Kingdom Press, which is an awesome children's book. Like they do a lot, a lot of like interactive games and blah, blah, blah in Berkeley. And so, so I had written this little draft of the book. I sent it to her and she was like, oh, there's, there's two illustrators that would be incredible for this. I had known of Dan's work and, and he was one of the guys. And so I just <laughs> randomly hit him up and was like, hi, I'm this guy. Would you ever? And, and he was, he was so kind and, and immediately like just the fact that he would like read and would give notes to me and then pass it on to both his manager and to Connie, who he's worked with forever at, at uh, Roaring Brook. Like none of this would have happened without Dan's like just pushing it forward. And it's, it's incredible. I, I was shocked that a Caldecott winner like himself would ever want to work with me, <laughs> especially for my oh. track record for all of the comedy <laughs> stuff that I've done at Saturday Night Live or anything else, which would not lend you to believe that I would be a good children's <laughs> book writer in any way, shape or form. Oh. But, but, and then, and then Connie, I, I worked with forever, like for a whole year after that. She's like, oh, she's a real, She's a taskmaster, and it, it, the book changed, and yes, uh, and, and the, but the book changed and, and morphed a lot, and it's it's become like something that I'm really really proud of. And Dan's Dan's illustrations are just incredible. It's one of the best covers I've ever seen on a children's book. Oh, the oh, cover thanks. is phenomenal. I mean, I've been I reading you. children's yeah. books for 27 <laughs> I <love> years. <laughs> I love it. I have so many questions, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on track here. You know what I love? It's wonderful, so wonderful to see a story that focuses on this special father-son relationship. Honestly, I don't think we have enough of these. 
So, what personal experience as fathers guided both of you to bring this book to life?、Um, Yorma, let's start with you. I am a kind of dad who maybe doesn't always know when to pull back. I tend to like love the moments when you know you're making a dad decision, and dad decisions I would say like are like, yeah, that'll be fine. Let's let you know. We'll I'll take my son camping alone. I had this experience、oh. where. Well, we, okay. Here, here's a weird one. I was in Germany because my wife was she was filming a Netflix show, and so we were out there, and I'm, I'm just supporting her and taking care of my kid. You know, being more of a solo parent, and I found this overnight. It's so hard to explain what this is, but there's a place called Tropical Islands, which is about 45 minutes outside of Berlin, and it's a former Soviet era. Zeppelin making factory that they've then gutted and made into fake tropical islands inside and a water park. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'll take my five year old to tropical islands." And then we go there. I'm alone. There's nothing but like terrible food and like and just candy. <laughs> and so like, and then he doesn't want to go on any of the、Paradise. water slides. He doesn't want to go any of the water slides. So we don't do any. Like we just walk around this crazy maddening place. And then of course he's like so jacked up on sugar. And then we have to drive back to our apartment in Berlin. And I'm like, and everything's melting down. And I'm like, yeah. Why did I think it would be anything else? And like, just those dad decisions of like, I'm so glad I did it, but it's also like the most trying, crazy experience of my life. But I, but I love it. Like, I, like that's the way I've gotten to have those kinds of wonderful connections with my my son and share a, like a, the most bizarre experiences. And he's never going to forget that. It was insane. There was hot air balloons inside. I, like I can't even describe this place. It was bizarre. But the,、oh. uh, but I'm constantly kind of making those kinds of decisions. And then they're like the the best memories and and the worst memories simultaneously. <laughs> well, Dan, what about you? What's your your relationship with your kids? And what gets you going with these books that you can intertwine with your dad role? It's interesting because I have, I have two boys right now. One's fourteen, the other is eleven, turning twelve in a couple months. The older one, there are certain characteristics about your kids that you observe, and you can look at them and say, "Oh, he definitely has those characteristics from my gene pool." And then there are other parts where you say, "I don't recognize that. That must have come from my wife." <laughs>、uh, so. The thing is that you know you never have a preference for one child, but there is definitely a relatability that you have because you definitely feel like one kid got more of your genes than <laughs> you know your your significant other. True. So, for example, my older son he has a lot of anxiety, like my wife, and so a lot of the times he just doesn't want to go anywhere or do anything. If we say, "Hey, why don't you try this? It's something new." Like he's he's just constantly spending. All this time questioning, like what's in it? Why do I want that? I don't know if I want that. And you know, I'll have a conversation with my wife, and she'll say like, "Oh yeah, I got that from me." And I'll be like, "I can't imagine what it would be like raising you." Whereas my younger son, it's almost as if my wife didn't give birth to him, but rather it was like by cell division, like by meiosis, and he like he just butted off my body, and there was just a second version of me that was just kind of like. Hey, what's up? Let's do this. <laughs> and so it's almost like I'm getting an opportunity to raise myself in a way that it's interesting because I can pose questions to him, and I can almost kind of figure out what kind of answer he's going to give me. So, for example, it's funny because a lot of the times I don't know where he got this, but he'll just come up with jokes, and then you know he'll 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 just. <laughs> I remember one time. 
I remember one time he was like four years old and he comes up and he's like brushing my arm. He's like, daddy, 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 I've got one, you know? And I'm just, I'm like, okay, what, you know? And, uh, and then he'll tell me a joke and, you know, in the beginning, like I would be like, ha ha ha, that's funny. And there's been some that, that he's knocked out of the park. Like just, I can't believe like this kid came up with this joke. And then there's some where he's just, he's just got this natural wit that he's not even aware of. And as a little brother, I think we let our guard down a little bit with parenting. So like, for example, the older son, he watched hours and hours of Sesame Street. Whereas I think our younger son has probably watched the eh, like five minutes total, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't my, know who Big Bird is. <laughs> right. Because like my older son, my older son, like once he graduated from that, he's like, you know what? I'm all about Clone Wars. I'm all about Star Wars. So, yeah. so like my little kid was just like raised on Star Wars. And, stuff. <laughs> and so one day we were we were thinking, hey, let's go take him up sledding up at like Big Bear Mountain or something or Mammoth. And uh <laughs> We posed a question to our kids, you know, said, hey, hey, you want to go uh, up to the snow? And like my older son's like, why? What's up there? I don't know. Is it cold? Like, why would I want to go in the cold? I think I'm fine here. My younger son looks at me and he's just like, so, um, yeah, what's what's in store? Like, what's going on? And uh, he was just like, whoa, you know, we get a toboggan, go in the snow, go in the snow, slide around. It'll be a lot of fun. And then he thought about Star Wars and he's like, wait, no, 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 there's Adats up there. <laughs> like, he thought Adats were like actual animals <laughs> and that they lived in the snow. And he's just like, no, no, there's Adats up there. I'm good. Uh, I'm like, this you kid's... never know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I thought, there's something about this that's really brilliant and I have to nurture it. And really, for me, I think the key is just to kind of sit back and watch and see what happens. Because my parents were very much like, they were very like hovering over me. Like, hey, you have to do this. You have to do that. Because I was an only child. And it's like, this is our only shot at you becoming a doctor. Let's not screw this up. <laughs> Helicopter parenting uh, at its right. best. Damn, they blew it. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, where I was, I was very much, no, so like my, my view of parenting is very much like, let's sit back, let's see what happens. Like if he picks up that knife, I got to step in. But, you know, for now... Let's enjoy and see where this goes. Like, that's the relationship I have with my kids. Yeah. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hey there, I'm Brad. I'm about to win the Tuesday Night Bowling League Championship. I'm also a highway worker for the Ohio Department of Transportation. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can bowl the winning strike with my buddies. Remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. Let's talk about Little Fox. Can you just give us a little insight as to some of the adventure that this little guy is going on in this book, because it sounds like it's going to be something that's similar to what you two have been doing with your own kids, which I just absolutely love. That might be the difference between mom and dad parenting. Moms, I think I'm speaking for myself. I, I'm not a helicopter parent because I have eight kids and I can't possibly be on top of eight kids at once. But, you know, you, you have that mom instinct and you're, you're a little bit more reserved for things, whereas dad is 
you know, let's have a little bit more fun and let's see where it goes. So what's Little Fox going to do? Talk about Little Fox. Well, I mean, in in the book, Papa Fox in the book is really using imagination to try to get the kid to start talking, which I've noticed is, is a real thing that my kid does like to do is like if he has had a bad day or if he's having trouble expressing something, the dad is has, a, I think, a very good instinct in the beginning to encourage play to like a, allow him to sort of not worry about, you know, how he's feeling or, you know, get some energy out and blah, blah, blah. And then that quickly becomes, because he's an imaginative kid, you know, goes from race cars to them pretending to be dinosaurs on buses with the dad encouraging all of that into then the dad making a, a, a bad decision of then uh, kicking it over to, well, let's get a treat. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> when you get that ice cream, then the imagination really starts to go nuts sort of thing. But I, but I think it's, it's all from the best of, of intentions, I think. But I think that to me, that's what my kid is right now. I think it's, a, it's, I've worked with a lot of kids doing film stuff before and like this age from, you know, four to seven to eight to like is so explosively imaginative I did all these commercials for AT&T a long time ago. Like my friend Beck Bennett on Saturday Night Live doing like a, what's better? You know, what's what's better, bigger or smaller? And so we had all these six-year-old kids talking to him and we would just let them make up things. And I just remember thinking, I can't wait till my kid is this age of this age range of where they're just... Anything goes. They're like, I have, I, like, you need to clean up the room. You got get a skunk who comes in and he has uh, little um, wet wipes on his paws and he cl- climbs up the wall. And you're just like, this is incredible. Like, like, we would just be behind the cameras giggling, just like, oh my, like, how are we going to get this into an AT&T ad? <laughs> like this, but it was just that thing of just like, their minds are just going. And, and if you allow it to go and, and join that party, you'll be shocked at where you can kind of take things and see where what the limits of your kid's imagination is. And so I think to me, Little Fox is just a normal (laughs) kid this age. Like I think, you know, they're all incredibly imaginative. Yeah. Going on adventure, not worrying about, you know, what time is dinner going to be or what time do I have to clean up my toys and put them back in the cubby? It's it's living in the moment, right? Yeah. And I I, I honestly think that like that's what you sign up as a parent to, to be is to provide that structure so you are the one worrying about dinner and and they're getting to hopefully play a lot <laughs> and then you know sometimes you gotta calm it down <laughs> love that i, I will add because the story begins with little fox having a bad day and being bummed out and as a parent you know there's nothing more soul crushing than you know having your kid be in a bad mood and just having a bad day and as a parent Sometimes you go out of your way to try to cheer them up. You'll do the goofy things. And as a result, in this story, I can relate to Papa Fox because you kind of like let the kid dictate, well, what is it going to take for me to cheer you up? Because I'll do anything. (laughs) And so, you know, it starts with you're like you're playing with them and then you kind of just let them navigate how everything's going to go. And that's very much what this book is like. Okay, are you happy yet? Uh, no, let's let's do this now. Like, okay, no, that's good. Are you happy yet? Like, well, ha- how about some ice cream? Like, okay, you know. And and so, I think I think a lot of parents can relate to that interest, that desire of just you know wanting your kid to cheer up, you know. So that's I mean that's Papa Fox is definitely me. And I and and if there was anything that was going to put this back on the ground, I'm, I mean I'm sure it would be my wife saying okay we're scaring the cat. We're doing this. Like we need to, we need to pull it back. Let's all be, let's all be mature now. I, and by the way, that what Dan just said is exactly why our collaboration has worked so well, because we are 
the same kind of dad. We think about it the same way. The pictures, I think, like, just as soon as I started getting art back and seeing what Dan was, he has this explosive imagination, but then also this deep sweetness, which is kind of the balance we were trying to, to get in the book of just, like, it is this, like, it becomes a nighttime kind of, and there's some whim, whimsical stuff in there of like them reading books and he has to read 5,000 books to the little fox. And this combination of Dan's explosive imagination into like really whimsical images are, are like, oh my God, like, like, it's a beautiful book. It's not just like, you know, imagination run wild. It's also like, it is this relationship between a, a father and son and how they're expressing love to each other. Oh, I love that. Well, I'm going to ask you this. I mean, you just really touched on this, but is there a message you hope the readers gain from this? Dan, let's start with you. Is there something that you really want the readers to take away from this? Well, you know, I think there can be various definitions of a loving relationship. I think the old, like, Cleaver, June Cleaver kind of feeling is just like, you are my father, you are my parent, I respect you, I love you, you know, let's go listen to the radio. Um <laughs> This is a much more modern approach about parenting. I've done events all over the country. I've spoken in front of hundreds and hundreds of families. And, you know, you kind of just sit there and you observe how people raise their kids. I'm not, I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way, but there is something that has evolved over time. And I think it, it, it is about kind of giving kids a little bit more power to express themselves. And that's definitely what this book is about. And there's parents that really need to control a situation and make sure like, oh my gosh, everything needs to be perfect because it'll look bad on us if they make fools of themselves. Like I need to make sure everything's perfect. And then there's the other kind of parenting where, you know, you don't want it to get too far off the edge where it's just like, you know, they're hanging off the, the edge of a boat and, you know, like if they could slip and fall into the ocean. And I only say that because I actually saw that happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, it's a measured kind of freedom that you give to your kids where the kids feel empowered, but you're still, as a parent, in the back. Like, that's the kind of parenting that I'm I'm kind of zoned in on where, you know, you want to empower the kids. Because I think, really, this is something that I thought about a lot in my adulthood. I think about all the years that I spent as a kid growing up, going through high school, and then not really starting to enjoy life until I reached college because... There's just these hurdles that you go through in life growing up where you're thinking like, this is kind of like the stereotypical thing you'd see in a teen movie. And we're all kind of doing those same patterns. And you just kind of have to go through those things uh, for good or for bad. And as a result, you know, I think I think a lot of adults have like these scars that they're not really willing to express, but we all know that's there. And so for me, like with my kids, it's very important to like say, okay, as important as it is for me to prepare you for the world and get an education and do all those things, the number one most important thing for me as a parent is that you like who you are. Oh, I love and, that. And that comes with the confidence of being able to express yourself and to be able to make judgments that you're confident, whether it be right or wrong. Like if you make the wrong choice that you have the confidence to say, okay, well, I messed up. I can, I can try that again, you know. But when you're a kid, like even on, on social media, everything just wants to like tear you to pieces. So, you know, I think the most important part <laughs> is to give that kid a sense of self-confidence. Because when I came out, Oh man, like I was like, it was, it was rough for me growing up as a kid. Like, you know, I was a, I was an Asian American kid 
in a, a, a predominantly like white conservative town. So like, you know, in the 80s, it was just like, oh, hey, look, it's the funny looking clown over there. But, you know, you eventually get to a point where you meet other people like you that have like, you know, more expressive ideas who are more open to new things. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, so the world you're like this person that was dropped into this into this environmental niche that you just didn't quite mix into. Mm. But then you realize there's like a whole other world out there that speaks the same language and you just kind of have to find your tribe. But, you know, to get through those formative years, it's really based on just being able to like yourself, really. That is an awesome message. Really, really awesome. Yorma, what about you? What do you want readers to step away after they finish that book? I bet a lot of times when people read this book, I bet they're going to come away with different messages. But I mean, Dan, what you just shared is so um, special and so important. But Yorma, you weigh in now. What do you want people to know? I, well, one, I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to partner with Dan because that, that is so spot on to what I think a lot of my intention was as well with, with, with the book. I will say for me personally in writing it, because it is my first children's book, and I didn't want this to just be like, a, oh, I, I, you know, have some mild success. So like they're, they're just going to put this thing out that I didn't really work at. And like Dan put me in touch with really uh, like a creative team that is like, did not let me be lazy with this. I really wanted it to be something that I could be proud of, that Dan could be proud of. And, and, and to be a children's book that would hopefully stand the test of time and be both sweet and connected and charming and, and feel relatable, but also have this big explosions of, of imagination and all that sort of stuff. I hope that this is a book that parents find relatable and that a kid can enjoy and a parent can enjoy simultaneously. I so respect after having worked in this medium for the last two years, however long this has taken, of just the power of words and, and trying to get everything as simple and to the point as possible. It's, it's a difficult medium to work in. I want it to be something that hopefully people can read for years and is one of their favorite books, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's just from what I've heard so far. And as uh, a mom of eight who's been reading to her kids for almost 30 years, this sounds like a timeless classic. It really does. Well, we'll and see. We don't want to put words in. <laughs> you said that. Oh, you said it. I said that. <laughs> Mighty, Mommy, Mighty Mommy said that. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about today that you would like the Mighty Mommy listeners to know about this book or the father-son bond or something we didn't touch on. We'll start with you, Yarma. Anything else that you'd like to share with us? The other books that I've been reading to my kid, which I think is like always nice for like helpful tips at the end, since you have so many helpful tips and I can't believe you have eight children. That is crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, Zoe and Sassafras is great. It's about science and stuff. Rabbit and Bear is su oh. super funny. <laughs> And great, Love but, rabbit and bear. but also weirdly has a very Zen kind of like teachings that I don't know how he, they're able to like somehow get it around to teaching. And then this is a very sweet books. Uh, Sophie mouse is oh. th those are great. Like there's a lot of these and they're very, very sweet. There's nothing controversial happens at all. They just like build things out of acorns and whatnot. Um, and, oh. then, and then I love this, um, this series from England called, uh, um, which is a little bit more um, irreverent called um, Tom Gates which is, um, oh. it's like a kid's journal. Who, and he think he's like not, I'm not sure what age he is, but he's like a very uh, mischievous young man. And But the, the journal, it's like kind of good for early reader stuff. So, Oh, the, I love that. Dan, what about you? What else do you want to throw in as we wrap up here? 
Uh, you know, just to kind of point out, like, not to make light of picture books, I, I, I find that a lot of parents are just so eager for their kids to read at a college level, you <laughs> yeah. know? Um, wow. You know, I've, I've heard parents, you know, like, they want to get their kids out of picture books as quickly as possible because they think they're for kids. Whereas I've had people tell me that uh, there's like a philosophy class at Harvard that's teaching after the fall, you know? So... I find that to be absolutely, well, first of all, it's absolutely flattering that they're teaching my book in a Harvard philosophy class. (laughs) But, you know, there's something, I think a a lot of people underestimate how hard it is to actually make a picture book, because it's about the economy of words, trying to tell a story in 32 pages with a certain word count, like anywhere between, you know, 800 to 1500 words, like that's not an easy thing to do. But also, you're trying to say so much. And there's a tremendous amount of books out there that do a, a lot of emotional heavy lifting in those words. And, you know, it's 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 very poetic. There's something about letting kids be kids and appreciate the love of story. And it's not about the cognitive use of a picture book to be better at reading. There's more to books than that. It's all about story and sharing emotions. And it's it's part of the integral part of parenting and, and, you know, raising your kids to be good people. And, you know, and a lot of those fundamental skills do come from picture books. I would add on to that and just say, um, I've noticed, and I always enjoyed this as a kid, just turn the pages slower than you think to and let their minds be able to really process what they're seeing and connect the words to what they're seeing. Yorma and Dan, thank you for this extremely fun and inspiring time together today. Thank you so much. It was so great. I'm so excited for my listeners to get a copy of your book, which will be released on September 8th and is available wherever you love to purchase your books. What are some of your favorite children's picture and storybooks? Join the conversation and share your thoughts in the comments section at quickanddirtytips.com slash mighty-mommy. Or you can interact with me on the Mighty Mommy Facebook page or Twitter. You can also reach me by email at mommy at quickanddirtytips.com. Listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join me next week when we talk about the important reasons grandparents are so vital in our kids' lives. Don't miss out on grabbing a copy of Little Fox in the Wild Imagination and enjoy some quality time. Hunker down reading with your kids. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, happy parenting. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm getting married today. I'm also a firefighter and first responder. When you move over and slow down, you're making sure I can make it to my ceremony to start the next chapter of my life. When you see flashing lights, remember, they're not just roadside workers. Thank you for moving over and slowing down. 